0: a series called My Story. And each week, this lovely woman has been introducing uh, what we're going to be talking about. And I just want to review where we've been in this series. Uh, The tagline is living the story uh, you want to tell. So in our life, how do we actually live the story that we want to tell? And life is a story that's unfolding each day uh, in the present as we make decisions. And so this series has been looking at what are the key decisions that we make that actually allows us to live this story that, that we're going to be able to tell others, that we're actually going to see that, you know, this has made a, a difference. The decisions I've made have, have made a, a difference. And so the focus has been on decisions, and kind of the main premise for this series is how uh, the decisions that we make today uh, deter- determine the stories that, that we will tell uh, tomorrow. So our story that we want to tell is tied to the decisions that we make. And what we've been doing in this series is, is looking at like these chapters in these important decisions. And there's like four parts and that's where we kind of started this series. The first is the decision that we all make to start something. And we looked at Easter as we launched this series, the importance and actually that just the crucial part of all of life to start a relationship uh, with Jesus. Because all of us in our story, we have certain parts and chapters that we look back on uh, some with regret, some where we wish it could have gone a little bit differently. And we're faced with, well, how do I, how do I change where I am to be where I'd like to be? How does that actually happen? Well, it happens as we decide to start. But it's not just starting new like a New Year's resolution. It actually begins as you decide to follow Jesus. Because He gives us the grace and actually the power to change. And so we launched this series celebrating Easter, the resurrection of Christ, the price that he paid to give us a new life, a new story. Uh, last week we talked about the important chapter and decision of deciding to stop and to start a new story. Sometimes it actually means stopping the things that prevent us from making progress. And so we actually looked at what are the things that we, we may need to stop? Maybe they're habits, maybe their patterns, maybe their perspective. There's ways of thinking that we've always done and we've always had. How do we stop doing those things so a new story can be written? Today we're going to talk about deciding to stay. How do you stay or why should you stay when it would be easier to go? And then next week we're going to talk about I decided to go. How do you in life choose faith to do the things that God's called you to do? And so today we're going to kind of hunker down and focus on this idea of deciding to stay when it would be easier uh, to go. And so those are the chapters starting, stopping, staying, and going. And next week we're going to wrap that up. So I invite you, you back to do that. So today we're talking about this, this sense of, of quitting, of bailing out. And so to start off, I just want you to think, have you ever in your life quit something? Have you? Okay. Some of you. I think we all have, oftentimes we get into something, we say we're going to do it. And then we get in there and we think, what was I thinking? You ever said that? What was I thinking? And most of the time that precedes this kind of action of, I need to undo the decision that I made. I need to get out of what I said I would do uh, for me. One of the things that stands out the most was I quit wrestling in 10th grade. Do you guys know I was a wrestler for three days I was a wrestler and I don't know if I actually went to three practices, but it was about a three day time where I even bought the shoes, like went there, bought the shoes. And I just realized like, I didn't want to wrestle anymore. I went to practice and it was a great idea. And then when I went to practice and like, there's like conditioning and then there's like wrestling conditioning and, you know, there's muscles. I didn't even know I had that were sore. It's like my, the bottom of my earlobe, man, did I pull that? You know, like that, that, those are the questions I started asking. And so I, I had to like face the music. Like I, I wanted to quit, and I've never considered myself a quitter. But I thought this would be the best quitting that I ever decided to do. And so I went to my wrestling coach. You want to know what the wrestling coach's name was? Thor. <laughs> Doesn't that I was like can't make that up? That's his real name. And and I went to Coach Thor, and and I was this new wrestler, and Coach I. I want to quit. I'm, I'm done. And he actually gave me some good perspective of like, well, you just started. Like it's been, you know, one practice. <laughs> I'm done. And 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 he just gave me perspective. Well, it, you know, stay in there. You can learn. And and, and he was giving me great things. It wasn't pressure. It was just give me perspective. And, and I quit. You know, I wonder, like, if I hadn't, like, what would the Olympics been like? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, okay. That that's not serious. I, if it wouldn't have been that week, I'm sure I maybe would have made it one more, but he was giving me perspective of like, you know, don't quit. See, see what happens. But there was everything in me. It it was not what I wanted and it wasn't fun. Um, I was also in high school. I was in AP chemistry for one day (laughs) because all my friends were in the class. I was like, you know, I'll be in the class just because they are. And then the teacher started talking. I went to the counselor right after. I was like, I want regular chemistry. Get me. I quit, you know, and and I can look back and and those are somewhat funny and those are distance, but you know what? There's parts of which I I quit on people. Sometimes this is where it gets a little bit more serious. I think there's two types of quitting. There's quitting where you remove yourself, where you, you're physically no longer going to do what you were doing. And then we quit. Also, sometimes where physically, we're still there, but we've quit like mentally and emotionally. We can quit on people. Like where I'm, I'm done, I'm done with you. And I've done that. There's been people in my life that have been hard to love and I've just quit kind of with my compassion towards them. I've quit my commitment to certain people where I could really stand in the gap to help them. And I've just decided I don't want to help them because it doesn't really serve my interests. I think all of us have those. We've had things that we have physically removed ourselves and quit because it wasn't easy. And our story is different because of that. And it's not helpful to think how it would be different because we don't know. But I think in all of us, there's this pull when pressure mounts on us, when things get difficult, there's this pull like, I want to get out of this situation. And if you're like me, we're kind of complex and we think we're, we're intelligent, which we are, but sometimes the only person we're fooling is ourself. Cause oftentimes when we're in tough situations, whether there's circumstance or we're in a tough, like, you know, with a person that's tough to love or to to bear with, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a family member, whether it's a neighbor, we can often quit, but try to fool ourselves and fool others. Like we create other scenarios for why we've changed or no longer doing what we said we would do. But oftentimes at the core, as you strip it away, as you strip it away and you keep asking questions at the core is I didn't want to do it. Why didn't you want to do it? Because it was hard. I didn't like it. It cost me. And so much of our story unfolds because of these types of things. Things get hard, they cost us, and we bail. We live in a time where the pressure that we experience, it just, it just kind of cracks us and and we just kind of turn into dust. What you find is that God wants us to actually stay under pressure So we become people that can see him help us and and come through. We actually have to stay oftentimes when we feel it would be easier to go. So that's what we're talking about today. Sometimes the best decision you can make is to stay when it would be easier to go. And only you can decide that. People can put pressure on you. People can leverage you. They can make you feel guilty. But sometimes you have to get to the point where you're going to stay even though it would be easier to go, even when it would be easier to quit, even when it would be easier to bail. And it's just the fabric of of life. There are times where we have to stay and do things that we said we would do. Because we made a commitment. Or there's times we need to stay and do things because it's right. There's times we need to stay because God's told us to stay. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And to do this, I want to... Kind of go and look at a a story, which is one of my favorite stories in the scripture of the the story of Ruth in the Old Testament. Ruth is a a book in the Old Testament. And if you've never read the the book of Ruth, it's a great just picture of kind of what we've been talking about in this series. The the decisions that you make, how they lead to a story that, that you can tell. And Ruth's story is a story actually worth telling and retelling. And you find story after story in the scriptures of these types of stories. And Roots is a, is a good example. And in the scripture, there's lots of stories about people who made bad decisions and you can learn from those as well. And what you find is as you dig into the scriptures, God uses the past and the decisions people have made so we can learn. It's given for our instruction. So every Sunday here at Church of Nevada, we dig into the scriptures. We want to be instructed and learn lessons from the people who've gone before us. And we learn about God and how he interacts. And we learn how people relate to God and, and the lessons we can learn, good and bad. So today we're going to look at the story of Ruth. And I'm not going to read the whole book. But I encourage you, if you've never read Ruth, do that this week. I think you would be encouraged by that. But I want to set up the story because Ruth is this example of staying in a situation when it would have been easier for her to go. And so let me let me set this up and then I'm going to read some scriptures that provides a little bit more context. So So Ruth is from Moab, which is kind of on the eastern part of the Dead Sea, uh, not a Hebrew. The Moabs were like a different people group, different religion, not the Israelites, the follower of God of the Bible. But she's connected to this woman called Naomi, who is married. And in the turn of events, Naomi had a husband, and she had two sons. And her husband and the two sons died. Well, one of her sons was married to Ruth. And another son was married to Orpah. And so these three women are kind of bound together by these marriages. And they're this family. But when the husbands and the two sons die, these three women are now bound together without any provider for them. And this time, the man was working, providing. And if you lost your, your husband, you, you really lost kind of all sense of security. You see, they couldn't just get a job at the mall and figure out how to provide. That there was no jobs that they could have. So many times in these kinds of situations, widows were really left in dire circumstances. So here's Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, without any husband to help provide for them. And in the middle of, of this story, and Naomi is feeling this this pressure of here's these women who are younger than me, who through the terrible circumstances that happen to all of us, they have their, their lives ahead of them, but. They now have nothing. And she encourages Orpah and she encourages Ruth, her daughter-in-law, is like, go back to your people. Go back to Moab. Start again. She kind of was releasing them. Go and start a new story. And and this is what what she says in Ruth 1. This is Naomi talking. Go, return each of you or each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. So she's just saying like, we've, we've all been through this. We've seen the, these people we've loved that they, they, they've died you've been with me, but it's time for you to go back. She says, the Lord grant that you may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So through all these circumstances, she gets to the point where she's like, you need to go, you need to leave. You need to start again. And so Orpah took her advice and she left. She went back to her people in Moab, but Ruth decided that that she needed to stay. And she decided to stay because she did not want to bail on Naomi. Right? (laughs) She didn't want to bail on Naomi. And there was this this sense of, it would be wrong for me to leave this woman stranded to fend for herself. And so she communicated, I I don't want to do this. And and again, Naomi encourages her in verse 15. She says this, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God's return after your sister-in-law. Go go, follow Orpah. Go do what she has done. She can start again. She'll be able to find a husband. And so can you. But you need to go after her. And then in verse 16, this is Ruth's response. It says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God, my God. So in this one verse, you see kind of this culmination of a turn of events in the moment. Ruth decides that I cannot leave because through our families and through all that's happened, I am committed to you. And not only am I committed to you, but I want to follow the God that you follow. You could imagine Ruth has had this first hand of kind of watching Naomi and how she has pled with God and how she's talked with God and how God has helped her. And there's a sense of which Ruth has seen this and see like, I don't want to leave what I have seen. I don't want to leave your example. I don't want to leave this God whom you follow, who I've seen in the middle of everything still take care of us. She makes this commitment like, I want to commit to you and I want to commit to your God and he will be my God. And your people will be my people. And it's just beautiful commitment of somebody choosing to stay and, and, and be loyal. Now, again, I remind you that she had Ruth had no idea of what this meant. She knew that it it did mean that she was going to have a very rough life. Really, one of a beggar, lower than a servant. Really, she couldn't even be the servant because of everything was taken away from her. And so she just kind of was con- committed to this, this life of being a beggar. And so she had this plan and the plan was, well, we need to find food to eat, but we can't really work because no one will, will hire us. And so she decided that she was going to go to the fields. And as the servants were, you know, taking all the crops that if there were any left over, the ones that nobody else wanted, that she would take those. And that would be what would provide for her and Naomi. So by her commitment, she was just picking scraps. From the fields. Dire circumstances. But what you see is that the story unfolded some more. And so I want to kind of start in in talking about how when we decide to stay, even when it's tough, God will actually work for us. He'll work for you and and he'll work for me. And you find this in the life of Ruth. Ruth made the, the commitment, I'm going to stay. I'm going to decide to follow God in this circumstance, and I'm going to choose to do the right thing. And what you find in the story of Ruth is that God worked through this decision that she made. She worked for God worked for her. And in chapter two of Ruth, you find this, this story unfold. And so I want to kind of talk about this as, as Ruth is in the field. There's the owner of the field called Boaz. And again, he's got his fields and he's got his servants and they're reaping all the crops and bringing them in. And this is part of the provision. And he's a wealthy landowner and he's seeing all these things. And he notices this woman that's collecting these scraps and taking, taking them away to, to her mother. And so he's, he's seeing kind of what, what happens. What's interesting is that. This random person who owns the field that she's picking the scraps of God has, has worked on, on his heart. And this is part of what God does. And in chapter two, verse eight, there's this first dialogue between Boaz and and Ruth. If you could put that on. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Okay. Go on. Let your eyes be on the field that they uh, that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young man not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young man have drawn. So Boaz goes to Ruth and say, hey, you stay in this field. And if you stay in this field, I'll make sure that you're taken care of. I'll make sure that you're protected. Not only that, can you have the leftovers, but if you're thirsty, get the water. So you can continue to work. And so he has this, this like compassion on her to take care of her, to make sure that no one's going to take advantage of her. No one's going to take advantage of Naomi. And so through God working in Boaz's heart, there's this, this protection. And then she kind of has this question that, that, that we all have is like, well, why? And in verse, the next verse, she says this, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground And said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Remember, she was from Moab, she doesn't even belong in the place that she's living. Not only that, she's this beggar. Like the lowest of the low, and she's saying, Why, you wealthy, important person, why would you even care? And the fascinating thing is the reason Boaz cared is because he had heard her story and he had heard of her story and her decision to stay because in the next section, this is, this is what he, he says, but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So in this interchange, he's saying, I've heard your story. Everything's been told to me. And I'm amazed at the decision that you have made to leave the comforts of what you've known. And to stay in this circumstance, to be loyal to this woman. And how he tied also that, that you have come under the refuge of the God of Israel. Your decision for him to be your God now, it's this picture of it, this protection, this refuge. You see, it's like part of the Lord's provision. She made that decision to stay. She made the decision to really follow and trust God and to do what's right. And from that, she was protected. And the one person who stated it is actually the man who was protecting her. And so this, this story is, is unfolding and unfolding and unfolding. And then in 13, she goes on, then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Again, I'm, I'm just a beggar. And in this moment, the most dire of circumstances, there begins there to be this ray of hope. God will provide. God will take care of me. Now, just for a moment, this, this this situation can seem like it's just another story, like another movie that we've seen of some sort. But if you think about this circumstance, you put your your life in the shoes of Ruth in that moment, there's a sense of like, I would have no hope at all. My whole future is taken and I have somebody I have to take care of. And you think of all the reasons why logically it doesn't make sense. But then this glimmer of hope, like God is is actually going to take care of us. Not only are we going to be able to have food, but we have somebody who's going to look out for us. And in this day and age, that that meant everything. Because Boaz now stood in the gap to be this protector. Now, if you've never read the story of Ruth and there's a part of you which is like, Wow. Oh, well, as in Ruth, they've like kind of had a connection. wonder what would happen. Play the story out. Anytime a guy makes a commitment to protect a woman, something's going to happen. You want to know what? Okay, you know, since you're not saying anything, just read it yourself. Um, again, just, just kidding. Uh, what, what happens is through just more unusual events... Boaz actually ends up marrying Ruth and they, they start a family and she was blessed and her story was forever changed and history was changed and a book in the Bible is written about her and it all stems back from this decision. Even when she was told to go that she decided to stay. And God bless her. He worked for her. And that's what, that's what God does. He protects. He provides. And it's not in maybe the timing that, that we hope for. Because from the timing that she's picking up all the scraps in the field, the marriage to Boaz didn't just happen the next day. So there were still some really tough circumstances. There were some tough times. I'm sure there were times she looked back and was like, Did I make the right decision? But she trusted the God of Israel who was her refuge. And she was taken care of. And history was changed because of that. And so this is a real part of a story that God wants to tell in you. That when you do the right thing and you do what God's called you to do, even if it goes against logic, even if it goes about counsel, even if your parents say to do something different or your friend or somebody you really care about, there are times where you need to do it because God's told you to, because it's right. And as you do that, it doesn't mean you ignore all counsel, but it, it doesn't mean you want to please the Lord Jesus first. And as you do that, he will take care of you. He works for you. There's also a second thing that God does. When you decide to stay in hard circumstances, he works in you as well. So if I decide to stay, God God works in me and he works in you. And you see this in in the book of James in the New Testament. This is what it says in James 1. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I'll be really honest. This was probably one of the first passages I read when I became serious about following Christ that I thought made no sense. What does the first part say? Consider it all joy when you face trials. Does that make sense at all? There's just a part where that does not make any like intuitive sense. Like I experience joy on vacation. I experience joy when everyone's getting along. I experience joy when things go better than I thought. I don't experience joy when it's very, very, very hard. And I don't consider it joy. I consider it a pain, a nuisance, a detour. What James is saying is like, consider it all joy. Not because we love trials, but because of what the trials or the hard things produce. And the word there says steadfastness. You consider it joy because when you, stay under that's the like the little trans the little translation of that word steadfastness is to to remain under so when we talk about staying it's remaining under pressure oftentimes that we need to remain under and why do we need to remain under that because god wants to produce this endurance in us to allow us to do the hard things in life do the right things in life and that's how we grow we grow by remaining under and not bailing out when things get hard. That's why we consider it joy. Because of what it produces. And so for, for all of us, uh, there's lots of scenarios we get in where the pressure is on. Have you ever had a job that's been miserable? You don't have to raise your hand, but do you have a job that's miserable right now? The chances are, in a group, group this size, yes. There may be some of you who are looking for a job, and it's miserable just trying to look for one. If you have somebody in your life, and you're just finding it hard to connect with them, you're finding it hard to relate to them. It could be somebody that you love dearly, but there's just this kind of wall, there's this barrier, and it's a, it's a trial you're facing. You may be a parent. You're trying to train your kids and you just keep saying, but I'm so tired. I can't tell them again. I, I don't know how to, and you just feel like you hit this wall. And what begins to happen is many times we may not bail physically. We may still be there. But again, remember part of how we quiz is mentally, emotionally. We just, we go, we take a step back. What James is saying is if you bail when things get tough, you're not going to see God come through. And God coming through is one of the things that we need to do in life again and again to grow. And so God works in you as you stay under. And the primary way that happens is you go to him for help. Oftentimes we bail because we think we can't handle it. It's too hard. We actually can handle Very, very hard things. If, and this is a big if, if we go to God for help. So when the pressure mounts and you feel stressed and overwhelmed, your story is being untold and how you react to that. What the scripture is saying is stay under that pressure. Steadfastness will produce in you. And as you turn to God, your relationship with him will flourish because he comes through. He gives you what you need as you ask him for help. He comes through. When Boaz is talking to Ruth about your refuge, the God of Israel becomes your your refuge, that's what James is referring to is this steadfastness. You can stay under because you're under the refuge and protection of God. He works in you. Your character grows. You begin to learn like, when I quit, I just relied on myself. That's why I couldn't do it. Now, I do want to say this. There are times when you shouldn't stay. If you're in a circumstance that's out of bounds for God and it's not pleasing to Him, you, you shouldn't stay. If you're in a relationship that's abusive, you, you shouldn't stay. If you're around people that are causing you to kind of drift away from God, you, you shouldn't stay. If you're in a job that's causing you to do things that's not pleasing to God, you, you shouldn't stay. There's all sorts of circumstances which, if you look at What's pleasing to God? Maybe you shouldn't stay. But what I'm saying is if the core of it is I don't like it, maybe you should. If the core of it, it's not easy, maybe you should. The core is it, it's not what I want, it's too hard, maybe you should. Because, you know, in my life, do you know if I don't learn a lesson, do you know my story is I, I usually have to relearn it at another time? Have you learned that in your own life? I think that's part of how God works is he wants us to learn a certain lesson. Maybe it's a lesson on patience. And so maybe you're in a really tough circumstance with somebody that's just testing your patience. It's very difficult to relate to them, but you just kind of bail out. So that lesson on patience, you didn't actually learn. And so down the road, there might be another person. There might be another situation that you need to learn that patience. And so what what it does is as you remain under, and as you turn to God for help, it also allows you to stop reliving the same things again and again. That's a big reason that you stay is because you can learn. You can see God come through and now your story unfolds and you can play the story out. The last thing is not only does God work for us and there's blessing that comes, and not only does he work in us, that our relationship with him grows, but he actually also works through us by us staying and choosing the hard thing. We actually become examples to those around us. And I want to go back to the, the the theme verse of, of this series, which is in Hebrews 12. And we've been talking about this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. So we need to fix our eyes on him. There's so many things we can fix our eyes on, whether it's somebody else, our circumstances, whatever is hard, our past, the future. We're supposed to fix our eyes on him. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. So he's where our story starts and begins and, and ends. So we have to stay focused on him. And then it goes on, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it goes back to, again, the reason we can stay under hard circumstances is because Jesus Christ himself endured the hardest circumstance, which is to die, even though he was innocent, the brutalist of death. But he did that because that was, the role that God had given him to do to pay the price for our sins. So Christ's example should compel us. Like he, he endured way more than I have to face, but he did it because it was right. And it was what he was committed to do. And then the next verse in verse three says, this kind of brings it together. You put verse three up there for consider him. Who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart? Now this can seem somewhat of like an, an abstract idea, but the, the point is, again, when things are very difficult, it's easy to bail because it's easy. It lessen stress. But again, there's certain things that God wants to build in you. Character that only comes through pressure. It's like the refining of of gold through the heat. It's refined and through pressure and hard things. We're we're refined as well. That's part of how life works. So the writer in Hebrews saying is you, you fix your eyes. You remember what Christ has done. and, And that should give us this endurance and cause our heart not to just grow weary where we would just want to we could want to give up. So I, I want to encourage you just to think, okay, what what am I facing right now where there's the pull in me like just to bail out to quit. And consider what might be instead what God wants to teach you if you were to stay. It's different for for each of us, but what could it be that God might want to teach us? By staying. I went to college. I graduated from college. And I got to the point, I don't know, some of you guys are in college and you're seniors. And I remember I was a senior in college and college was wrapping up. And I was like, this is great. I'm done with college. And then I thought, wait, college is wrapping up. What am I going to do? And somebody's like, you got to get a job. And I'm like, but college is wrapping up. And I got to the point where I realized that like, the point of college is to get a job. But then when it was time to get the job, I kind of thought like, I don't want the job amen front couple rows right yes the point in which you have to like really become an adult and like going to college is supposed to prepare you for that what you've learned in life is supposed to prepare you for that and i remember my first job out of college was i was selling uh, pharmaceutical sales i was i wasn't selling pharmaceutical sales i was selling pharmaceuticals Okay? And I remember, like, I had to start at 6 a.m. I didn't even know that was legal in college. Like, you actually have to drive when it's dark to work, and it's not night? It was crazy. And I got to this job, and I was like, man, I don't I don't really like this job. I said that kind of every day. I just really don't like this job, and I wanted to. I wanted to bail out. But there's a thing that's called marriage, and then I was getting married, and I wouldn't have any money if I quit. And I thought, well, that that's probably a good reason, you know. I need to work so I can have money, right, for my family. So I thought, okay, I'll I'll hang in there. But, you know, every day I just was like, oh, this is such a grind. The alarm would go off and I didn't want to go. And I'm at work. I'm so unmotivated. I'm like, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't where I want to be. It's work. It's a grind. And so I I began to just think, like, I, I just got to get out of here. And I didn't have a plan at all. And I remember I needed to just talk to some men and get some perspective and the first man I talked to, and I, and I said, "Like, I, I'm in a tough job, and, and I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I want to find something that's a better fit. Better fit meaning like maybe just pay me to not work. <laughs> Isn't that sometimes like the better fit is like if it feels like it's fun, that's the better fit, you know? But so I and so I asked, I just I don't know what what should I do? He says, you know what? Read about the slaves in the Old Testament and how they endured. That was all he said. Thanks. And I walked away and I was like, what on earth? It was perspective. I'm pampered. This isn't that bad. If you're like me, that kind of wasn't what I wanted to hear. So I talked to somebody else. You ever done that? (laughs) I'm just going to talk to as many as I can until that person agrees with me. I don't recommend that. That doesn't become counsel anymore. It becomes just wheel of getting what I want. And so I talked to somebody else, and I said, you know, I'm in this job. It's not what I want. And I, I'm young, and I'm married now. And and do you have any advice? Like, well, what should I do? And he says, he says, Alex, it sounds like God's trying to build steel into your bones. And that I was like, okay, like Wolverine, like you know, I was starting to think, like, okay, steel. I'm like, all right, I like that. Not quite slaves, but you know, still. And, and so then I was like, well, what? Like, so I can just conquer something, you know, I was ready and, and he says, so man, as you're staying under this pressure, God is building steel into you. And if you bail, you won't have that anymore. And at that point, I was like, Oh, no. And then he went on and he says, you know what, because this pressure feels like a lot, but you need as much steel in your bones so that when you're older, you're going to be stay under the pressure, which will be far heavier. (laughs) This is the most pressure I ever felt in my whole life. And I look back to those times and it's so true. My responsibilities have increased. My margin for error has decreased. All of this pressure is mounted over time. And that's what life is. And what we don't realize is that the hard things that we face right now, God uses to prepare us for more hard things. But as you stay under the pressure and the steel gets built into you, the hard things you can face with an upbeat endurance because God will come through. And so I want to encourage you. It's not as bad as you think. And if you stay and you trust God, even when it's hard, that will prepare you to handle more things that will come your way. And you're going to do that knowing that God will take care of you. What's so interesting is you kind of go back to the life of Ruth. Ruth's life has forever changed. She married Boaz. She was the great-grandmother of King David, considered the greatest king of Israel. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God's lineage, came through David came through Ruth and she, her name is listed in the genealogy connected to Jesus. This woman from Moab who decided to stay, even though it would be easier to go. That's what God does. Everything in us seems like it's not going to make sense. We can't do it. It's too hard, but God works for us. He works in us and he works through us on the connection card. If you could pull that out. You could take a next step. I'm not going to spend too much time there. But if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, go ahead and do that. And on the back side of the connection card are some next steps. And there's just one main one and then a blank one. The blank one is, what's God told you you need to do this week? Each week we want to not just hear and and learn more, but we want to do. We want to actually apply what we've learned. So the first one is, what is it that you need to stay in? I don't know what it is. If it's a tough situation, somebody that you, that you need to just continue to love, whatever it is, write, write that in there. What do you need to stay in and ask for God to help you in? And then the blank one, if there's just something else that you sense you need to do, you just write that in there. So I encourage you, consider that. Consider a next step related to this week's message. Write that down. Uh, I'm going to pray. In a moment, we're going to receive our offering. The band's going to come back up. The ushers will come and receive that. And if I've never met you before if you're new at church in the valley um, I would love to to meet you so please uh, after service come and introduce yourself to me let's pray father thank you for the example of Ruth and the scripture itself which gives us practical help and lessons that we can learn from God I thank you that When we stay to do the right thing and when we stay to trust you, you work beyond what we can imagine. But Lord, will you just give us a sense that even in the middle of the things we're facing right now, whether it's a tough season relationally, family life, school life, at our work. God, will you give us faith as we fix our eyes on you? Because we don't know how it's all going to work out. So God, just give us faith and a a patience to trust you even when we can't see it. And so we we do know, Lord, as we've experienced in our life, and even if we haven't in the lives of others, we we know that you will come through. And so we, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, i turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord.